Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM proudly presents the 10th Inning Podcast, a weekly roundtable discussion about the wide world of baseball, keeping you up to date on America's national pastime. Now, here are your hosts, Jack Miller and Caraguno. Nothing is better than postseason baseball, but now the Phillies are in the World Series as they're going to be taking on the Houston Astros. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in on the 10th Inning Podcast. Kyra Guno alongside Jack Miller, and we've got a full house tonight. Danny Ryan and Aaron Hook, thank you guys so much for joining us. I'm very happy to say that Aaron is alongside me. Yankees fans tonight. we got across <laughs> the table Danny and Jack, so I'm sure we got a lot to talk about tonight. But first, before we preview the World Series, I've got to talk about what happened to the Yankees, as much as it pains me to say that, and the Padres, their downfall. I mean, what, what went wrong for you guys? in the series, the Yankees get swept by the Astros. I mean, we kind of knew that that series was definitely on the tilt. Yankees, did you guys expect them to get swept? What, what, what went so wrong for them in that series? I don't think you expect any team to get swept in any playoff series because you guys, we all know that uh, each team is a winning team, so they will all fight. So, um, But I honestly think that the Astros just played better, both pitching and uh, and offensively. I mean, I mean Pena. I mean, how about him? I mean, he hit two home runs uh, in game five or game four. So he he's doing really well. And I think the Astros, I mean, could go down as one of the best all-time teams uh, from this year if they can do really well against the Phillies as they did against the Yankees. What do you guys think, Danny? How about you? I know, you, different perspective, not a Yankees fan, but, I mean, th- that was just a te- terrible series all around. Yankees did not live up to their expectations. Where was Judge in that series? I mean, Rizzo played well, Stan played well, but that wasn't enough. Yeah, I mean, Judge really only got going in that Guardian series, that final game of that Guardian series, so you didn't see a lot of him coming from, you know, the, the Astros series, and they really looked outmatched. They didn't look like they belonged there, in my opinion, because... Frankly, they didn't. They didn't have the pitching. I'm not quite sure why they traded Jordan Montgomery of all people for Bader. You you understand why they trade for Bader to kind of replace Hicks and get him out of there. Um, but at the same time, Jordan Montgomery was one of your more reliable arms and one of your only lefty arms in that rotation. They definitely could have used him. And then obviously the downfall of Aroldis Chapman, the eventual. Uh, I guess you could say release from the roster. He wasn't a factor at all in the bullpen, so there's some weaknesses there. And I think that overall led to the demise of the Yankees, but my biggest thing for them now is they have a lot of decisions to make. Oh, yeah. I mean, Aaron Judge on the market, obviously. I know I'm hearing talks of Aaron Boone coming back along with Cashman, which honestly doesn't surprise me because they signed Boone through 2025, so I get that. Uh, but at the same time, something has to change with the payroll where it is right now. I mean, if you don't change the tide in the next two years, let's just say you lose Judge. This could be a complete just disaster. You could have a fire sale, maybe trading coal if you don't retain Judge. I mean, at what point, if you lose Judge, do you go into a rebuild? So that's kind of where I'm at with the Yankees, but just a depressing loss, to say the least. Yeah, yeah. what do you think, Aaron or Jack? Well, for the Yankees, I just want to point out their free agents. They have Aaron Judge, Roldis Chapman, Rizzo, Severino, Zach Britton, Benintendi, Tyone and Carpenter. I mean, it all, could go downhill really fast. Yeah. So, I mean, all these guys can go to different teams. And uh, Aaron, I just wanted to see where your head's at with the Yankees. With yeah. Well, all these free agents. I mean, it's just the big thing with the Yankees. The overarching thing here is that they lean on analytics way too much. They live and die by it. Um, now, the Astros are an analytically ran team, but they don't like Dusty Baker is making the calls mm-hmm. in the dugout. Same thing with the Mets. But Show Walter is the one making the calls. I mean, you looked at that. Um, I think it was game three when they bring in Lou Trevino with two guys on. They're down two nothing. It's like you're bringing in your third or fourth best reliever there because the numbers tell you that the bottom of the order is you know whatever uh, one for ten against him. Like it really doesn't matter. It's like in that spot you got to bring in either I think Loizaga uh, or. I don't know. I mean, maybe you even read steep in your bullpen there. Or you bring out a guy like um, I don't. Even, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know. Like, and yeah, their bullpen arms. That's that's a thing injuries. Marinaccio wasn't there. They were they were uh, without him. Efros. got hurt for the year, and then Michael Tate got hurt back in the summer, back in August, I think. So they were without three of their best arms. But the big thing here for the Yankees is that yeah, I agree with Danny. There's got to be some sort of change, and I think it's got to be. Honestly, I, I don't think they're going to do it, but I think Cashman's got to go because mm-hmm. he just leans way too heavily into what his analytic yeah. nerds tell him. And it's like 
Aaron Boone is just a product of it. He's just he's just basically an extension of Cashman in that front office. So he's not really allowed to be a manager and make decisions like that. And coupled with the Yankees not being able to hit, uh, that doesn't usually lead to good things. And it did. They got swept. They got embarrassed, uh, like you guys have all said. And so, obviously, the big thing now is bring back Judge because if they lose Judge, it's just a downward spiral from here. So, they're going to bring Boone back for next year, which, honestly, I'm okay with, but the philosophy's got to change. He's got to have a little bit more leeway as a manager to actually make decisions. If I could add just real quick in Cashman's defense, I mean, you have to credit him going out and getting, you know, spending money for certain big name guys. Anthony Rizzo at the deadline last year, DJ LeMahieu a few years ago, that was a steal when he was really doing good. And we know he's been banged up a little bit over the past few years, but he's done the job in the sense that he's tried to make roster improvements year in and year out. Not the right ones because they keep getting hurt and you, that injury bug just keeps nagging around the clubhouse. But at the same time, he's done his part in trying to, you know, he brought Garrett Cole in, Stanton, but at the same time, the, the one thing that I didn't understand that he did this past offseason was that Gary Sanchez trade with uh, Gio Yeah, Rochella. it looks yeah. terrible now Donaldson because Donaldson just can't hit. You owe him $21 million Exactly, now, exactly. So. It's it's terrible. I mean, like, Urshela costs less money, and yep, he's better. maybe even you could argue that Donaldson is a better hitter, but Gio Urshela got big hits for the Yankees over the years. Donaldson just looks clueless at the plate, especially in the postseason. There was like a montage, like four minutes long, of him just like taking strikes <laughs> down the it. middle. It's like it, it's it's really it's, it's automatic out. You figure much. they move on from him, but now I have to ask, and I'll throw it back to Kara and Jack. Do they move on from Stanton as soon as this offseason? No one's going to want that contract. They'll probably have to eat at least half of it if they want to move him. But at what point do you consider Giancarlo Stanton a thirty-three-year-old DH at this point because he can't field? When do you move on from him? I think it's tough. I think staying in the playoffs, he's clutch. He's always been clutch in the playoffs, and I think that's the thing. He has that experience. You can throw him in, in the outfield, left field, and kind of sometimes, but you had Carpenter at the DH, and you can't play him in the outfield. But I think Stanton, you saw on display his power. If he can get a stride, he's one of the hottest hitters when he's on, but when he's not on, he's a strikeout machine, and you can't have that in your lineup when you have guys like Rizzo and Judge. If they strike out, they're cold too, and that leaves in the middle of the lineup a hole. But I think Stan is not the biggest problem. I think, well, defensively, there was a atrocious at the end I mean Torres there's a question if people are saying to trade Torres I'm not sure how I feel about that I mean IKF what he he wasn't the, I don't think he's a fit in New York that's that's a, he's gone he's, he needs to be gone and yeah. it was just a rough road for him he didn't belong there's always guys like Sonny Gray who don't belong in New York Frankie Montas shouldn't be anywhere near a ballpark anywhere again because <laughs> these guys they're, they're not clutch in New York yeah, stadium at least yeah yeah and, and I think I think Bader kind of fits that mentality you need a guy oh, like yeah. Bader in he'll, the be he he'll be so there he'll be there he'll be their center fielder he has year. to be he's a good no player excuse, yeah. right. and you're paying him four million dollars next season which is just beautiful I mean to have him on that deal at 29 years old is, is awesome yeah yeah so and I think Stanton is a really good player I mean I don't think that they got to get rid of him at all. I think that they have to kind of move on from some of these free agents that I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. and they just have to just try and rebound off of these guys. I mean, yeah. it's just – they you, gotta, have, you might have to get rid of Judge from this. They honestly. have young like, talent. I mean, like, you'll have Cabrera there yeah. that's your, mm-hmm. who came up, was nice this yeah. year, is kind of like a fourth outfielder, and then they'll figure out the shortstop. And they'll yeah. It'll either be Peraza Peraza or Volpe. Volpe. That's here. By the end of that year, they'll have their starting shortstop, hopefully for – the future and so I don't know if Volpe, Volpe's or pardon me Volpe is going to be ready quite yet maybe yeah, towards I, the end of next year um, I think Peraza probably has the upper hand right now yeah probably my, my biggest thing is like we talk about all these free agents they have all the guys that easily could see their way out of the door in New York if you know the, the team was interested in a, a team looking to acquire them but who are the staple guys coming back next year for the Yankees you think about it Rizzo's a free agent yep. Mayhew's exactly. 34 Donaldson like we mentioned most likely out the door you guys mentioned a name I didn't expect to be out the door in IKF oh yeah but he's he, gotta go he's probably gone you're saying <laughs> Torres, his future's up in the air. I mean, there's a lot of guys here. And then we talked about Stanton maybe being out the door. But he's been one of the more clutch guys. However, $32 million owed. So that's just what comes back to it for me because you don't want an aging contract like that. Yeah, and I think you just have to think that the Yankees might have to consider a rebuild for, like, a short amount of time. I wouldn't say a complete rebuild like the Nationals yeah. are doing. Retool. So, yeah, they gotta they just got to regroup for a year or two and let that farm system, as you mentioned, Aaron, just yeah. kind of get some experience in the minor leagues, get ready for the majors. Because you guys got you, – you have guys like Volpe, Dominguez. Yeah. I mean, you guys, you guys yeah. are pretty set for your future. I, your farm system's great. I, I think they're going to kind of put all their chips in the middle and, and – you know, go after Judge and 
Rizzo and lock those guys up and then better take yeah. it from there. Because, again, you have to get healthy, and you probably need another starter because yeah. it's like you trade prospects, good prospects, good pitching prospects for Montas, who is just, you know, he's one of those guys, brings me back to Sonny Gray, where it's <laughs> like he just he just can't pitch in, in New York. And I did it was a small sample size, but it's like I'm not confident rolling him out as like my fourth starter next year, so. Uh, the Yankees at some point have to realize that if you have a Garrett Cole at the top of your rotation and then you have a Luis Severino who's technically your two, but if you put him in a three, you know, maybe a four role, but that would just be, you know, very privileged. A three starter role, he would thrive so much more oh, not yeah. having the pressure of a game two starter. Even so, at some points in the playoffs, a game one starter. I mean, he's not that ace at this point until you give him some consistency in a certain role, and he hasn't gotten that yet. So when they get a starter to kind of relieve him a little bit, I could see this rotation just looking good, but they have to add that depth and not remove it like they did at the deadline. Our final thoughts from the Yankees. I Personally, I think that if Judge walks, Rizzo's going to walk. That I think that's going to be the biggest thing. But I've heard Giants are not going to be outbid for Judge. And, I mean, even the Dodgers, I mean, that would be absolutely unbelievable. It would be bad for the game of baseball if the Dodgers got Judge. But I think the Yankees have a lot of work to do. But talking about the Padres, I mean, their trades at the deadline, got Juan Soto, Josh Bell, they had, it seems like, all the right pieces but how about them Phillies? I mean, it, Padres only beat them in one game. It, what, I mean, Bryce Harper's home run. Yeah, I mean, we could talk about it for an hour about how much that means to Philly. But the Phillies, they got hot at the right time. And now they're going to the World Series. I know you guys, Jack and Danny, you guys must be <laughs> pumped. I, it's, it was thrilling, I mean, to watch that game as well. But how about the Phillies, man? I mean, what was the biggest takeaway from that series? And how can they use that to go against a very hot Astros team? They haven't lost the whole, the whole postseason. What's going to take for them to, you know, beat them? Before we start about this, Danny, I want to ask you, where were you <laughs> for uh, Harper's home run? I just want to know. I was <laughs> in my apartment, and I'm just sitting there, and I'm thinking to myself, JT got on with a single. And now it brings up Bryce in the biggest part of the game. He has a chance to give us the lead with what was going to be, I thought, was maybe Alvarado or Anthony, but they went with uh, Robertson and then closed it out with Suarez. But it was just unreal. I kind of just stood there and just soaked it all in. I didn't didn't process it at first. I just wanted to, like, tell myself I'm witnessing history and just stand there for a second. Then I went crazy about it later. Yeah, for me, I was in my my townhouse living room, and uh, when he hit it, I – thought it was going like it was like a liner to the left fielder and I was like okay like that's one out and and then I just see him look at it and I'm like holy crap this ball's has a chance to at least be at the wall and then when it landed I just screamed at the top of my lungs I legit woke up my roommate he was sleeping (laughs) on the third floor so um so yeah a great moment in Philly's history but the Padres as you mentioned I think this is a team like the Braves last year a lot of trade acquisitions they got pieces like Hader yep got Juan Soto and a great team that could have gone far and honestly could have been a good competitor for the Houston Ashes. But for me, I mean, this offense didn't click. And I think that they could have had a lot of better games uh, just in within these five. I mean, their highest scoring game was was eight runs, but for the Phillies, it was it was 10 and five. So I, they like they got hot in beginnings with them. Once they got hot, they just started to slow down. Like you just have to be consistent throughout the entire series. And that's going to win you the game. Like you got shut out in game one. Like, that shouldn't happen in in any <clears throat> playoff game, getting shut out. So Well, a guy who made them so just really dangerous, not only in the field but offensively, was Trent Grisham the first few yeah. series of the postseason. He disappeared. I believe I saw a stat he was 0 for 20 or 0 for 21 yeah. against the Phillies in the NLCS. And you just can't have that happen. I believe he was leading off for them as well. So you just you can't have that happen for a guy who's setting the table for your entire lineup. Plus, guys like Josh Bell, he's so hit or miss. He either goes yard or he strikes out. Rarely do you see a walk from him. And then, you know, a lot of other guys like Drury, he's a good player, but he's not a certified superstar. So I think that Soto did his job, obviously, in Philly. You saw that. But at the same time, their bats kind of disappeared while Philly's bats just got extremely hot. And our pitching was just good enough to, to, you know, really, I mean, not skate by, but, uh, you know, four to one's pretty pretty good when you look at it in the NLCS. Yeah, for the Padres, and I think, yeah, you mentioned it. Like uh, Grisham disappeared, their bottom three just weren't weren't yeah. there. My biggest question mark for the Padres for this series was especially in Game Five when Grisham bunted, and oh, Nola, yeah. and then they relied on Nola, who has one hit in this series, to try and make a big play with two men on. And I'm like, why? And yeah. In my head, I'm like, if I was a Padres fan, I would have been like. Why would you do that? Like two extremely questionable decisions yeah. by Melvin. The first one to not pitch Hader against Harper, and the second one to bunt there with Grisham with 
well, the game on the line, and it didn't pay off, as you saw. Well, the thing with um, with with that was that Suarez was they put in Suarez, and uh, he had to bat three batters. Yeah. I mean, you can't put in he can't put him in for one guy and then have Harper come up uh, and then have Hader come in. So again, I mean, I wouldn't understand why that either. I think they didn't want to try and do a six out save with Hader because yeah. if they got the other two runs. Um, like they wouldn't. Like, I mean, obviously, it's like just so yeah. odd it's just a he, weird situation. I get why yeah. they wouldn't. I, like, it's just the six out save. I think that's why they had him warming up at the beginning of the inning, and then they just. I don't know. Yeah, I think. The, yeah, I just don't know why they would have done that. I mean, I would have taken the risk to do a six out save because this is your elimination game. Yeah. I mean, like honestly, at this point, like you have to drain his arm just for this. But Aaron, I'll, I'll bring you into the conversation. What did you uh, think of the Padres and Phillies series? Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, it's awesome to see them in the World Series. Um, yeah, it's like, I would ask you guys to describe it. It's like, <laughs> right. I, you probably just can't even, like, put it in the door. I, I, it's I a dream come true. I understand song. what the feeling is probably <laughs> right. like. Um, yeah. But, yeah, no, I mean, the Phillies, uh, it, it's it's a great lineup, uh, and it's going to be awesome to see them go up against the Astros, who have a great pitching staff, so kind of like, what's going to give there? Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, the Phillies pitching, like Danny said, was, was good enough in this series. Um, they have two top flight starters um, that to compete with the Astros, and then after that, I think it gets you know it's a little bit of a, a crapshoot after that. But um, the bullpen was fine. Uh, I, I thought my boy David Robertson was going to lock it down, former Yankee, but they turned to Suarez there, um, and he gets he gets the final two out. So fun series. The Phillies can score, man. I mean, I've, up and down that lineup, they've got guys who can knock in runs and go yard at any time, and it's just kind of crazy to see some of these young guys contributing so much to this Phillies uh, team, like Bryson Stott. I mean, some, too. I mean, I mean yeah, I mean, Hostin's obviously, but he's been here for a while. It's like Stott, yeah. obviously, he was their top guy, and, like, we saw him in Jersey Shore right. last yeah. year, and now he's playing in the World nuts. Series. It's just kind of crazy, but, yeah, I mean, I love the job that Rob Thompson has done. Obviously, very happy for him as well. Um so yeah, uh, I'll, I'll I'll be pulling for the Phillies in the World Series for sure because no, <laughs> yeah, I mean like I'm you know, joking. Yeah, I mean <laughs> not not rooting for uh, the, those other guys to win. Yeah, to win I think World, I think so. we're all in favor of the Phillies, no matter if you're uh, any kind of fan of. And that Harper home run, by the way, it's got, where does that rank like all time That's, in Phillies moments? It's, it's got to be right five. up there. It's yeah. top five easily. I mean, you can definitely put. Philly special and uh, Graham's. Well, okay. Sack How about it. just the Phillies? Just the just Phillies. Just Phillies. It's probably that's got to be one of the. I best. think it's the. That's got to be the biggest home run, probably ever, right? I would think. I mean, I can't think of another moment. I mean, you'd, you'd have to give me some time on that. I besides don't yeah. uh, besides right Schmidt's five hundredth, I wouldn't. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think you have to put that at, at least yeah. top two. I mean, that place was going oh, nuts. God. The atmosphere is like, it was crazy last yeah. week just to see that. I mean. So yeah, I'm glad you brought that up too because they obviously start the series in Houston for games yep. one and two starting tomorrow. If you steal one of those, oh That's man, the thing. that place is gonna be going. What nuts. I want to talk about with that is if they can just do what they've done all postseason long, go into the you know uh, opposing Opponent. arena and just steal at least one. And if they keep the second game close and don't let the Astros get a ton of momentum and really just run away with the confidence in this one. That atmosphere is unmatched. Like, you cannot match the Philadelphia Phillies atmosphere in the playoffs, let alone the World Series. We saw it get better in the DS. We saw it get even better in the CS. The World Series, for the first time in 13 years, is not going to be any quieter. So, I mean, I saw that camera angle. I believe it was, like, a little bit over the center field wall or kind of towards that on the uh, right center field area. And the camera was showing the Harper home run going into the stands, and the camera was quite literally uncontrollably shaking because mm-hmm. of just the vibration from yeah. the noise. It's it's unbelievable. It is, so I know the camera angle you're talking about. I mean, exactly. it was legit like shaking. It, <laughs> and I'm sure the camera operator had both hands on that trying <laughs> yeah. to just, you know keep it stable. But that's just the kind of atmosphere they're going to be coming into. And might I add, they have not faced the Philadelphia Phillies and the Philadelphia Phillies fans with the Phillies at home since the trash can scandal in 2017. Yep. Mm-hmm. The Phillies have not gotten a chance to give them paybacks for the cheating scandal. This will be the first time, and it comes on the biggest stage. I yeah, hope they do. I absolutely hope they do. I mean, obviously Yankees fan here, but I'm going to say I've never been a bigger Philly fan than I am right now and this throughout the entirety of the <laughs> week because you have to – it's pretty much, you know, Astros are going up against the world right now because everybody's got to be rooting for Philly. I mean, like you said, Dan, Game one and game two are in Houston. I think that the Phillies can take one. If they steal 
one in Houston, you got to think they're going back yeah. to Citizens Bank Park with game three and game four on Halloween, and then on Tuesday after that, and then game five at Philly again. That, you know, I think have the Phillies, they haven't lost at home, right? Nope, nope, not so this year. So that's nope. a huge factor as well because yeah. that momentum off the ballpark, whether you like it or not, analytics or not, that doesn't play a fact. That's pretty much all out the window of the Phillies. They're a crowd. It's electric and atmosphere. And yeah. they're going to be ruthless to those those Astros. Yep. Altuve is going to get a lot. I mean, Bregman, of course. I mean, there is a, a lot of new Houston members. We have to not negate that fact. Guys like Jeremy Pena, what he's done is unbelievable. Of course, we'll get to him. But there's still guys on that team. Altuve, he hasn't even done anything really that much in, throughout the playoffs. But still, this Astros team is just so, so dangerous. But I think the environment is going to play a huge factor. I think, I don't know if you guys think, I think maybe game two. I mean, the Phillies have haven't lost a game one, correct? Uh, in I the postseason, so I'll get back to you about that. I think I that know they haven't. They haven't won. Oh yeah, because Nola hasn't started no. game one quite yet. So right. yeah, I know they lost game two with Nola in San Diego. Mm-hmm. But yeah, because Ranger they won with Ranger against the uh, against the Braves. Yeah, that was like where did that come from? Yeah, <laughs> and then uh, then Zach Wheeler and Reese kind of. Kind of blew it against game two, but they uh, both games twos they've lost um, uh, in, in the NLDS and the right. NLCS. Yeah, um, so it's a bit different this time around yeah. now with Nola yeah. going. He had a bad start last time around, but the last time he faced the Astros, exactly, I was about to mention that punched yeah. the tickets to the playoffs with pure dominance. And might I add, the last team to beat the Astros since they uh, have reached the postseason. Philadelphia Phillies in that game. So if anyone's going to have a chance to really try and take them down or at least compete with this juggernaut evil empire they've now kind of taken the brand as, it would be the Phillies. But I just want to add to what Kara said, and then I'll pass it to whoever. The atmosphere, too, the players have talked about it. They those signature moments such as the Bryce Homer, the Reese multiple homers, the obviously the two run bomb, the clinching game, and then the uh, three run home run that just absolutely blew the the lid off the place. Those don't happen if they're not at home. They just don't. Mm-hmm. They, they have literally no type of momentum like that on the road at all at any point in the game. They just can't manufacture it. As sad as it is, it's unfortunate. But when they're at home, they're a different beast. Yeah, hitting in Houston in the playoffs is. One of the harder things to do, I think, in baseball. Uh, the Yankees have ran into that problem multiple times. But I think the Phillies have the lineup to match up with the lights of, of Verlander in game one and then probably uh, Valdez in game two. And then we'll see for game three. I mean, Christian Javier is, like, the most rested pitcher ever. Like, he, <laughs> he went three weeks before he pitched that game against the Yankees, and now he'll have, like, another week or so off. So it's like that guy's going to be feeling phenomenal for game three in Philadelphia, probably. He'll go. So... You know, game one is going to be really interesting because I think they'll kind of set the tone what they can do off Verlander. Uh, but again, yeah, I think it's kind of like imperative that you steal at least one of those two and you head back to Philly with a with a tied series. So yeah, so I want to touch on game one. So uh, the starters for uh, the Phillies and the Astros pitching wise will be Nola and Verlander. But the thing with Verlander in his World Series games, he's played in seven. He has not gotten a win. He's 0-6 uh, in the World Series with the Tigers and the Astros. Uh, he has six losses with a 5.68 ERA and in wow. 38 innings. He's given up 35 hits with 24 earned runs and nine home runs. But in Nola's last start, he had uh, he went four and two-thirds innings with seven hits, six earned, and two homers. So I want to I put the question out there. Who do we think steps up pitching-wise out of the two starters uh, because Verlander, he he's not comfortable in these World Series games, and Nola, he's coming off a bad start. And but the last time he played Houston, as you did mention, Danny, he pretty much he threw a perfect game through six. So I mean, he's he's hot against the Astros, but he just came off a bad game. I'll throw it to Danny. Yeah, I mean he's well rested, so he better come out with some determination, some extra motivation. You know, I think that's why he was honestly so good in that Houston game last time out against them, because he had a huge thing on his shoulders. The the 11-year playoff drought was on his shoulders in that game alone, and they most likely weren't going to get it in the next game against the Astros because, one, you only have a chance to beat the Astros once because they're so good. But, two, there was not – I think it was Suarez that went the game after that. It was some pitcher that wasn't yeah, it was, nearly as good. it was Suarez. And I, I just – I'm just calling that the hangover game. Yeah, so, so you know, <laughs> he when he has these sort of, you know, just the, the – What's the word I'm looking for? The the type of things on the line, you know, such as clinching the playoffs or winning a game one on the road. When he has these just, you know, overall 
That's what I'm looking for. Determination. High pressure kind yeah. of situation. No, what he, yeah, just these these consequences on the line is what I guess I'm trying to say. But he hasn't pitched since October 19th, and I, I think that's going to be a big factor. That's why they didn't wait till game two to start him. So they're pitching him in game one. Hopefully he can be well-rested and get that six-run game behind him against the Padres on the road because he, he didn't look awful in that. He just kind of collapsed at the end there. So. Yeah, and I think with Nola, um, he is a lot more rested, and he loves having that rest. But I also think they're starting him in Game One just because Wheeler also pitched in Game yeah. Five with a ver- with uh, over six innings. So, um, Aaron, I'll throw it to you. Who do you think uh, out of Verlander and Nola uh, steps up in Game One pitching wise, or do you think it's just they both collapse and it's a, a hitting I, duel? I think I don't know. I mean, it, it might honestly be the two of them going. Sits in it or so. I did. See, I did see it being kind of like a pitcher's duel, but again, like that Philly lineup is good enough to where they could probably scrape a few runs off Verlander early and get to him. The thing is, you can't let him settle in, obviously, because Verlander probably going to win the AL Cy Young. We know how good he is. So, like, if you let him kind of cruise through three or four, uh, it, it's going to be tough. And again, later in the game, don't don't underestimate the environment in Houston either. It's going to be ridiculous oh, yeah. there. It's obviously. How the stadium's built, it's like pretty compact, especially out to the left. You got the Crawford boxes out there, so it's a short wall. Pretty compact stadium. It's gonna be loud in there. So, um, honestly, if if I if we're gonna answer your question, I think Verlander probably has the upper hand in Game One, but you know, Game Two, I could see Wheeler kind of stepping up, bouncing back for them. And then Valdez is a good pitcher. He's a lefty, um, so that might spell trouble for. You know, Harper and the other guys, although he doesn't really have too much of a problem hitting off lefties, but um, game one, I'd probably give it to the Astros and, and Verlander. That's what I, I, I agree with you, Aaron, because I said if they're going to seal a game, it's probably going to be I've just game seen two. him pitch in the playoffs yep. too many times to go against him, honestly. I, so. I agree. It's, it's tough because Verlander, he didn't have his best stuff against the Yankees, but if he gets in that cruise control mentality and he goes yeah. up and down your lineup, I mean, even if he gets to that third time around, he knows how he can just pick you apart either way. Yeah. It's just tough. Verlander, he's got that experience, although, like you said, Jackie hasn't done the best in World Series, but... The Astros are just such a tough team because even if Verlander gives up two home, two two runs or whatever, Philly the Astros know that they'll get they'll go rack back up in their lineup and put up three. They'll put up the numbers. The Astros are a team that's going to compete with you, and they have their pitchers' backs. And I think Nola, it, it's shaky, but I, I think Wheeler. That's going to be the game that I think the Phillies can steal. I think I think game one is going to be a toss up. It could be a three three game in the sixth inning, and who gets ejected first? What what bullpen? Falters. I think that could be really the difference in that game. But I think I have high expectations. But if I'm going to say that the Phillies steal a game, it's probably going to be in game two with Wheeler and Valdez. But I'm not sure. Maybe what do you guys think? I have to go. And I never actually gave my official prediction, I don't think. So <laughs> I, I know I was leaning towards Nola. But officially, I think Nola just outduels him due to the fact that his four-inning, six-run performance against the Mariners really encourages me because the Mariners are a very similar team to the Phillies in the sense that they just fight with their at-bats. They just have a good two-strike approach like the Phillies do, and they were a very scrappy team. And I feel like if you can run up Verlander's pitch count like the Mariners did in that start, allowing up you know 10 hits on only three strikeouts, Rose's ERA in the postseason to 13.50 after that start, just to put things into perspective back on uh, October 11th. So I think the Phillies, if they can go in with a game plan like that, as they have all postseason – you run up his pitch count, you can get to him early, but um, Aaron just nailed the uh, – what's the word? I'm, we can cut this out, but I'm looking for – I put – I got it, I got hit it. Hit it on the head. Yeah. Nailed the coffin. Yeah. Aaron <laughs> – Come on, Daddy. <laughs> but Aaron hit the nail on the head there just saying you can't let him get into a groove early because if they do, they might not be able to recover from it. So it's for game two, what do you think, Danny? What do you, who do you think is out? For Wheeler versus So I've, since I've got Phillies and Nola in game one, game two, I'm probably going to go – Aaron made a good point. It's a lefty on the mound. As much as I hate to say it, they have to win one of those home games, the Astros do. So I'll probably have to go with the Astros just because at some point, Wheeler's velocity around the zone is going to get him into some trouble. And hopefully it's not in game two, but I could see it happening. So I'll probably give Valdez the edge. Sorry, John. You you know, you go. Um, Just something to look at. The Astros have not exactly hit all that well in the postseason yeah. either. It's kind of been overshadowed by how bad the Yankees <laughs> were. but And, and the Mariners, and by the, the Mariners, way. Yeah. Um, they Seattle was, the whole regular season, they were not a good offensive team. And then in the playoffs, it was like that 
18 in a game where there's yeah. nothing, nothing in sight. <laughs> That's just the thing. They have Jeez. to keep Altuve quiet if they want to survive. Yeah, well. Know, not even survive, but just try and establish some dominance because keeping him quiet is the key. He starts getting going with Valdez. Or, or I have a feeling he's going to have a bid here. So he always I. plays. Yep. And he's three for 32. He's due. So, I mean, <laughs> Astros, <laughs> Astros hit 227 as a team right now in the playoffs. 708 OPS. So, not like, not awful. I, I think kind of the numbers are inflated a little bit by the last couple of games there. But, yeah, I guess if you, if we want to highlight a guy, Jeremy Pena, yep. probably to win uh, rookie of the year in the AL, I, I think. I mean, he's made his case at this point. Hitting 303 in the playoffs. Not J-Rod? <sighs> J-Rod was... Ooh, had I don't know. Pena had like 23 <laughs> or 24 homers, dude. He was really good. So J-Rod, though. But J-Rod, J-Rod, carried, J-Rod carried that Mariners team to a playoff spot. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be close. But, I mean, I, I think Pena has... He's established himself best... Yeah, yeah, I think <laughs> so. I mean, that. 303 <laughs> average, he's... 10 for 33, three homers, five ribbies in the playoffs so far. 990 OPS. So he's been their best hitter in the playoffs so far. But Bradman and Guriel have both been good too. So there's, you know, while the Astros collectively, I think, have had holes, and especially Altuve has been the biggest, you know, kind of disappearance, it's a tough lineup. So, I mean, Noah's going to have his work cut out for him. I want to pose a question to the group real quick. In game one and game two, because it's going to be, you know, all the stakes are kind of just thrown out there, feeling out each team, um, you know, on the mound, at least for the pitchers. So if you're Verlander, if you're Nola, and vice versa for Valdez and uh, Wheeler, with Harper and Alvarez, we know they're going to be in the thick of the lineup. We know they're going to be the one guy neither pitcher wants to face. And we've already heard rumors about Bryce kind of getting, you know, he's not even going to get pitched to probably. Should the Phillies, if Bryce doesn't get pitched to early on in game one, early on in game two, should they walk Alvarez and do the same thing with Yordan Alvarez? Because, I mean, I, I honestly don't see why not if they're going to do that treatment with Bryce. I mean, I kind of agree with that because Jordan, like, his back can explode like Harper's can. Um, like, he, he has a really good stick. I mean, he's one of the best power hitters that we've seen um, in this league. So I think that you're probably right, Danny. I think they if they do, uh, don't if they don't pitch to Harper, then you have to – I think you just don't pitch to Alvarez because he he got hot yeah. with the Yankees um, as well as with Pena. Um, so I don't think you could pitch to Alvarez. He's no. just he's just a really good bat that I don't think you want to mess with. I mean, we all saw his walk off homer against the Mariners. And with that so. being said, too, Castellanos is going to have to earn his keep. Oh yeah, because yeah. he's he's the, the key. Because if he's hit well, if he protects Harper, then they've got no choice to pitch to him. And if exactly. not, if you go through games one and two in Houston, and Castellanos is not proving to pick up Harper once he gets intentionally walked. I'm sorry, Rob. I know you don't want to change the lineup, but it has to be done. You have to put Bohm at five, someone who can get him in, because that's a free base runner every single time up and down the lineup if yep. they're going to commit to that strategy. Well, Bohm hasn't been doing that well uh, in, the, I mean, in the anyone, past series. So that's the thing. Like I would honestly than Nick. Because Castellanos has stepped up in the playoffs. He stepped up in game one against the Braves. So you yeah, have, but that I think you have to put him ago. behind Harper if you do. If, that, they don't pitch to if Harper. not, boom. Because keep in mind, I mean, that Braves series, that Braves moment, I'll say for Castellanos, aside from a couple walks since then, he's been non-existent. So we, we're, we're, we've moved on from that in the sense that if he wants to win a championship here, he's got to, you know, step up. But if not, boom, I'll, I'll pick another player. You know, even Segura at five, I, I wouldn't mind because of his contact. You know, at the same time, I, you know, I can't put Marsh or Stott in there, but there's there's a lot of guys that you could bring down the lineup. Even JT at five, I wouldn't mind. But if you're going to get that guaranteed free base runner, you have to make the adjustment whether you want to or not. I think it's tough because looking at the Astros lineup, you say you walk Alvarez, then you have Bregman or Tucker, depending on if they bat three or four. Bregman's a really good hitter, too. He's not to be outdone. I mean, Bregman is so hot. I think that's the difference between the Phillies lineup and the Astros lineup is you can go one through nine in the Astros, and you can pinpoint, and they can all produce in different ways because Pena, he can hit the long ball, but he'll drive a single and drive in two runners on base as well. And if Altuve can get on, he's not a guy who chases a lot of pitches as well. He'll get on via walk. He can put it together scrappy at bat, and Pena's fast. Altuve's fast, and you have Alvarez. If he's on, the Phillies don't pitch to him. For example, let's just say he gets bases loaded. Then you have Bregman up. What, what do you do then? And then you go down the lineup to Tucker yep. and Gurriel and Mancini, who played well against the Yankees. Say, yeah. I mean, you have so many hitters. But for the Phillies, there's so many question marks. I think, like you guys said, Castellanos, what is he going to do? Boom. Defensively, that's been always the question mark. And offensively, too. And then the bottom of the lineup, I think that's where the real difference maker can be in yeah. either way. Because the top of the lineup, Schwarber's been hot. Hoskins. But then... 
the bottom lineup yeah. for Astros, they're strong as well. I think they can go yeah. you can go player for player in that lineup and try to match them up. And to your point too, Will Hoskins disappear. And then when you're so focused on, you know, the Bregmans, the Alvarez, the Altuves of the world, you forget about, you know, Christian Vasquez isn't too shabby right. in the catcher position. Yeah. You you Put all that attention on those guys. It is, yeah, yeah Maldonado. Chaz McCormick oh, got a couple big hits. Right. Come on. By the way, uh. is, does anyone see the resemblance besides me? Or does he hit exactly like Altuve? Am I am I crazy, or does he have the exact uh, same swing? Yeah, he he does. He kind of has like that quick little. Tomorrow, when you watch the game, <laughs> just pay swing. attention to it for me. Uh, it, gotcha. It's eerily similar. I already know he's going to be a Yankee Taylor for like his entire uh, career. Of man. course they they always are, right? They, they yeah. always are. You got the Altuve's of the world. But then Altuve doesn't even beat you. But I agree with you, Aaron. He hasn't been hot. We haven't seen Altuve unload. Yeah, he's, he's been terrible. I mean, yeah. He's three for 32 <laughs> in, the, in the playoffs. So, I mean, I just think he'll probably come alive. But I, I think another separator obviously could be the bullpen and how it holds yep. up. Phillies, obviously, that's been something that's, you know, been a question mark for them postseason. Uh, they've stepped up, but I mean the Astros, especially the back end of that bullpen, what they've made out of Montero coming over from Seattle, and then he was with the Mets early in his career was kind of just like terrible, and they turned him into like this stud reliever. Ryan Presley back there, it's tough. It's a tough like three or four guys you got to go through in that Astro bullpen. So yeah, I think honestly the most important guy, especially early in the series, is probably Nick Castellanos because. If you can protect Harper, and yeah, the guys in front of him have been hitting uh, with JT and Hoskins, and then obviously Schwarber got the power at the top of the order. Like, if Castellano steps up, that's one through five that yeah. the Astros have like got to realize that any one of those five guys can take you deep in an instant and change the game. So, Aaron, let me ask you this: What you saw from Rob Thompson in the Braves series were uh-huh. Real Muto and. Um, Hoskins really weren't producing, and Schwarber as well. I mean, he was in the leadoff spot not producing, but Ramuto had his hits here and there. Those three guys, they weren't really producing, and he wasn't changing the lineup. Now, uh-huh. if that happens, like I said, in game one and two with Castellanos, just from your opinion in general, do you think he switched up that lineup on a stage as big I as think his, his hand might be forced. I mean, like, I don't know. He's going to have to get creative with it. Uh, we've seen, obviously, a guy like Bo move around the lineup a ton this year. So, yeah, I think he'll probably do something to – Give Bryce a chance to be the difference maker in this series, obviously. I think he's going to get him in a spot to to produce because, you know, again, we talked about how the depth of the Phillies lineup is so good, but obviously it, ends, it starts and ends with Harper because mm-hmm. if he has if he is an off series, look at what, you know, I mean, Judge has a bad series, and especially in the latter half of the regular season, he was basically the entire AD offense. So, like, sure, you had guy like Rizzo step up, hit a couple homers, and Bader was obviously fantastic. But, like, if your main guy is in hill, uh, it's it's not good. I mean, the rest of the order really kind of rallies around a guy like Harper, and then obviously Judge, you can compare that as well in New York. So um, lineup construction is going to be really kind of interesting from a guy like Thompson, who you talked about, Danny, is a little stubborn with, with changing the lineup at times, so. I want to throw this question out there. For for any team, so let's say it's the Ashers or Phillies, if either one of them goes up 2-0, which, is, that, is the series over? If the Astros go up 2-0? Yeah, if either of them do. If either of them do. No, I don't think it's... Uh, the, ser- I, the series isn't over. Um, I think the Phillies going back to Philadelphia down 2-0, I, I don't think that's going to phase them as much as some people think. Obviously, we've been talking about how such a great home atmosphere. They'll They'll feed off that. And if the Phillies go up 2-0, it's going to be tough. But I think I think Houston pitching wise is just they're just so yeah. they're so tough. They'll they, find a way to mm-hmm. get a couple. So I feel like they can just go into a different mode if if they're required to. You this know is I mean? definitely going at least six. I, I think I that, think it yeah. probably goes the distance. Seven. Yeah, I'm thinking six or seven for yeah. this. But I think, Danny, yeah. what do you think for up 2-0 either team? I think no matter what happens, like Aaron said, this series is going six games. I just think there's too much talent on each side. And even if the Phillies are outnumbered talent-wise, they're not outnumbered as far as how hot they're hitting. I mean, like, yeah. you could have all the talent in the world, but they are better right now with how they're clicking chemistry-wise, how they're <laughs> in unison together, and how they're all hitting one through nine. Uh, it's certain parts. They're not hitting consistently one through nine, but they're hitting when they have to. And like Aaron mentioned, it just all centers around the man, Bryce Harper, the guy who sent you to the World Series, or else you were going back to San Diego with momentum on the Padres' side in a position where your rotation's all worn out. I mean, you don't really know who you're throwing in that game if you go back to San Diego. So, you know, I, I see this game, like I said, or this series going at least six. 
But like Aaron said, I would not be surprised to see a seven-game series. It just all depends on these first two games, I'm telling you, because that's has you know what, what that's what set the tone in the Phillies' prior two series with the Padres and Braves. They won, like I said, won it uh, on the road, and they kind of just went from there. Kara, what do you think? I mean, I think that for the Phillies team, they're a scrappy team. They just caught hot at the right time. I mean, they're in this position. They got into the playoffs because of the extra wild card. Can you imagine about what they they didn't even get into the playoffs? So they're a hot team. They got hot at the right time. The pieces were clicking. But this Astro team, they have the, the playoff experience as a franchise in general. They've been here so many times before, and there's not a lot of holes in their lineup. But for this Phillies team, they're going to fight. And that's what I think all the, the whole world is rallying around Phillies because they know that they're a team that they're fighting, and they want to be in this position as well. So I think that's going to be a huge factor. I mean, the Astros are back in the World Series for the fourth time in six years. They haven't won yep. since 2017, but they have that experience. Phillies haven't been to the playoffs since we were probably 10 years old in 2011, or you, even you guys younger than that. <laughs> I was I was in kindergarten. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, they haven't won yeah. a title since 2009. And I mean, that's going to be a huge factor because do the Phillies want it more? Are the Astros? 2000, actually. I they won it in 08. That's what I meant to say. That's what I meant to say, but you know what I meant. 2008, whatever. Yeah. But the Astros, they have the experience, but do the Phillies want it more? Do the fans want mm. it more? Do the Astros, are they complacent with getting back here again? They keep winning the pennants, but they lost to the Braves last year. But we saw what happened to the Braves this year, so you don't know who can collapse at the right time. I just think that if the Phillies get up 2-0, which I don't, I really don't think they will get up two, two games to none, but if they do, the Astros, I agree with you, Aaron, they're a team that pitching-wise, yeah. they're going to lock down. They're not going to let their team go. They're Although not going to take Phillies to take three it games. It is tough because I like what you said. The Phillies are – Red hot, they're hot at the right time. It's like, I don't know. Like, if they do get up 2 0, I don't know. I might change my answer on that. <laughs> um, I don't know. That home I, atmosphere. That's I what think I'm the saying. Astros are just like, they're so, they're just like annoyed, so they'll find a way to yeah. send the series. I think but they'll still one. The Phillies are red least. hot, man. Yeah. I mean, like, they, like, like Tara said, it was almost like the perfect time to just click it in a year or so. Two things I want to add about the Astros just real quick. The one encouraging thing for me is, you know, you mentioned the stat where they've made the World Series four times in the past six seasons. They have changed managers in the meantime after yeah. being busted for the scandal. So split those six seasons in half between Baker and uh, A.J. Hinch. You can kind of – that encourages me a little bit in the sense that what once was a playoff culture that was established in that clubhouse was completely torn apart due to the scandal. It was kind of everyone just kind of, you know, getting caught. In, and But a slap on the wrist and suspending him for a year. Regardless, now they have Dusty Baker there. Not that he's, you know, any scrubbing himself – I like the guy a lot. It just so happens that he's on, you know, the manager of the opposing team. Um, the Phillies are playing in the World Series, but um, I also wanted to mention too, with that stat, four World Series trips in six years. If they lose this one, the Phillies, th- there has to be some sort of talk about the Astros not being able to close out series. I mean, they won one, mm-hmm. but we all know the asterisk next to it. So there has to be th- that conversation has to start. And it would be another NL East team that they would have lost to. Exactly, lost the Braves and the Nationals. Nationals mm-hmm. in 2019. The Nationals were a wild card team too, right? Yeah, yeah. I think so. So yeah, it's just crazy that uh, who knows who knows who can win this series um, if they split it or if one team goes up 2-0 in game one and two. But uh, I just want to bring up the, uh, a discussion that um, me and Danny were going to have in the. Sports department group chat. Uh, Shomer, our good buddy in the sports department, brought up um, this question. Uh, Have the Phillies been an underdog from the start of the season to the World Series? And Aaron, I kind of want to put your your opinion on this since you're a Yankees fan, since me and Danny are probably going to have a more biased opinion towards it, but... Um, have they been an underdog since the start of the season, not yes. since from the wild card? Yes, they have been. Uh, because you had the Mets and Braves in your division, World Series champs, and a team that loaded up this offseason in the Mets had high expectations. Obviously, they lived up to it, at least in the regular season, not so much in the playoffs. And so, yeah, I don't think a lot of people were picking the Phillies to, you know, even really, I mean, I won't say they weren't picking them to compete, but it's like no one was picking them to win the division. They obviously don't win the division. They get the last wild card spot. But, you know, they're going up against Atlanta in that series. It's like, okay, it's the defending champs. And then the Phillies pull it off. Obviously, like Harris said, they did hot in that series or at the end. And then they go to San Diego. Um, you know, first two games are on the road. It's like, okay, Padres are really talented. They traded for all this talent at the deadline. Soto, Hayter, Bell. Um, people were like, okay, you know, the Phillies did it one time. Should they do it again? I, 
I, again, obviously, I, we're down here. So, obviously, True. Yeah. the culture and what we absorb down here in the Philly market is going to be different from you know, what people are saying in, I don't know, Texas, but like, <laughs> or like out in California. Um, but, yeah, I think the Phillies have definitely been underdogs, man, because there was just a lot of questions after the last couple of years, all this talent they brought in, and they just weren't able to get it done, a lot of playoff drought. So that factors into it. I think absolutely they've been underdogs, but I think that's helped them, honestly. I think that underdog mentality that they've been playing with has actually probably made them a bit better. It's obviously fueled the pitching staff um, because they were probably the biggest question mark, and then the hitting has come around. So I think absolutely from the start of the season back in March up until now, the Phillies have been an underdog, but I think it's honestly a good thing. Kara? I completely agree with you, Aaron. I know Yankees fans, but being in this market, I mean, we're here, we live it every day, and the Phillies embrace that, that underdog mentality. They're pitching staff. They're, they're scrappy guys. They, they knew they were underdogs. I mean, they have a, a high payroll, and guys like Yankees, the Dodgers, you know, whatnot, they all have these high payrolls, but the Phillies weren't executing. They blank, Point blank, they weren't executing, but finally they go into the playoffs, and I think they've been underdogs throughout the entirety of the season and the playoffs, but they have a managerial change. They get Rob Thompson in, and they weren't doing good at the beginning of the season, and we almost were like, okay, here, here the Phillies go again. They're not going to make the playoffs or barely barely miss the playoffs, and then all of a sudden they wake up, they get the change, and they, they, they get carried right now. Bryce Harper's hot. I mean, Whatever the top of the lineup, they Schwarber's been doing incredible things, and they beat the. Braves. By the way, Harper missed what sixty games this right. year, it, so it's exactly. like they, they were two months without their best player. So I think mm-hmm. that even contributes to it more. So batted under two thirty in the month of September after coming yeah. off of the IL. So it, it's just crazy to see what he's been able to do. Just from and honestly, it came from that home run against Michaelis in the uh, Cardinals series because. He, even up to that at-bat, was so bad. I mean, it was the point where, like, you know, I'm saying to myself, he sucks in my head, but, you know, you know Bryce Harper doesn't stink. He's in a cold stretch. But it was the point where it was just ground out after ground out after ground out, and then something after that at-bat just absolutely changed, and he's been running with it since. So, uh, like, I I know we've been kind of emphasizing it the entire time, but he could not have gotten more dominant at the right time. And he's literally batting, I believe, over at least 4:30 in the postseason. It's yeah. just unreal. Yeah. So do you think? So you do think, Danny, that they are underdogs throughout the entire season? Because in the group chat, you said that it's like, like once it got into mid-season, yeah. that's when it kind of clicked. Well, my opinion, we were underdogs after the start with Girardi. I yeah. think after like going into the season, we with all the big acquisitions that the Phillies made, it was okay. They're finally going to break, you know, break that drought and make the postseason. And hopefully, with the two aces they have at the rotation and the offense they have, they can just out. You know, overpower teams with their offense and their home run hitting offense. Didn't happen really in the beginning of the season. Didn't happen midseason. Didn't happen three quarters of the way through the season because they still weren't hitting a ton of homers aside from Schwarber and his solo bombs. It was a lot of small ball stuff that led us to the playoffs. And then I feel like we were underdogs getting into the playoffs and kind of riding in the postseason. I don't want to say we were really ever underdogs. Um, in the sense that no one expected us to be good. You know what I mean? Like, what you guys I said I that. agree with, and what Aaron said I agree with, because we were underdogs in our division. Yes, the, the Phillies were, because you had the Mets and the Braves, who were just so talented. Mets get eliminated, Braves get eliminated. At that point, they were the underdogs in the postseason when they remained. So, uh, that's kind of where I stand from it, because, you know, Connor Brown, who's in the studio just across from us, he, he was kind of telling me, oh, that's the highest payroll for an underdog I've ever seen. And I, you know, I get it. But at the same time, $20 million of that payroll isn't really doing what he's supposed to this season. And Nick Castellanos batting under 250, just 13 home runs. You don't see that type of consistency for the money you're paying him, along with a, a number of other guys that count up to a lot of money on the payroll. So long story shorter, long answer short, we weren't underdogs during the season. In the postseason, I can say we were underdogs because no one expected us to get past the Braves. No one expected us really to get past the Padres unless we woke up like we did. And now... Look where they are. They're in the postseason, and they're in the World Series. All right, well, last thing I want to bring up before we end our third episode of 10th Inning is Adam Wainwright is returning for the 2023 season. And I honestly think he should have retired with Pujols and Molina, but I want to get your guys' thoughts um, if he should have or should he have one more season, have kind of his own – like return uh, with the uh, Cardinals this year uh, is good, is a good well tour, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but do you think he should he should have returned this season, uh, next season, or should he have retired uh, with Pujols or Molina? I'll I'll uh, send it over to Aaron. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I think 
it'd be cool to see those three go out together. Um, I'm looking at just his numbers. Wasn't terrible this year. 3.71 uh, over 32 starts, 191 innings, 143 strikeouts. So, I mean, he was serviceable uh, for the Cardinals. I guess he's their number three, three with yeah. Flaherty and Mike Doyle ahead of him. So, I mean, he's 40, 41 years old. That's the issue. So, I mean, eventually he's going to have to regress. Um, and the Cardinals, I guess, are just hoping that, you know, they're good enough anyway to where even if he is bad and his age starts catching up to him, which it hasn't yet, to be fair. But if it does, um, they're hoping that, you know, the rest of the staff or whatever is good enough to where it doesn't really make the difference. But, yeah, I mean, good for him. It's 41. It'll be 42 by the time that season ends. So, I guess unless he, I don't know, turns into, like, Nolan Ryan and starts, like, throwing perfect games 40-plus <laughs> here, I think he'll probably call it quits after next year. So Yeah, I th- I kind of agree with Aaron. I think that he should have uh, retired with Pujols Molina. I think it would have been cool to see the three uh, go down together. Um, but I think what why he might be coming back is I think that the Cardinals are thinking about making some um, some off-season moves pitching-wise, and I think they probably just want to have the veteran mentality of Wainwright to help the uh, the moves that they're going to make in the off-season, uh, just like of how to pitch and like how to get better as a pitcher. So, uh, Danny, I want to hear what you think about Adam Wainwright returning next season. Yeah, I think a lot of the narrative was that he was going to retire with Pujols and Molina, which I was kind of always shooting that down from the jump because no one ever really said that Wainwright was going to. It was just kind of inferred with MLB's posts, you know, kind of honoring them, you know, and implied. So I never saw the writing on the wall for that. Only thing was, as Aaron mentioned, the age. He's, you know, quite up there as far as MLB age goes at 41. So that's the only thing really that I I saw that could hold him back. But like Aaron said, his numbers really weren't terrible for his age especially. He would, you know, be a Pretty good three if they make some moves, four or five starter in the rotation. And like you mentioned, Jack, pretty good mentor to maybe some young pitchers, some free agent acquisitions they might bring in. So um, I don't hate him coming back at all. I really don't because if you're still producing at this age, why not? But it's just a matter of can you keep the recreation of yourself going as far as you know himself as a pitcher? Can he keep the finesse stuff out of the zone and just keep getting ground ball, fly ball outs? Or is he going to have to try and tap into some velocity, increase his velocity by a few miles per hour this you know upcoming offseason? Who knows? But I, I'm assuming this is going to be the final season for him. Would not be surprised, though, if he's going to go out there at 42 to go out there at 43. I mean, I think so. I think that he's just a veteran leader. You got to have somebody in your in your rotation who provides that leadership, so younger guys can mentor and to look forward to. I I, I agree with Danny. It was never implied. It was it was always implied that he was going to retire, but he never actually said something. But this is a guy who just loves to go out there and compete every day, every chance he gets on the mound. He's going to compete. He's going to give you a shot. I mean, his whole career with the Cardinals. I mean, he's he loves he lives and breathes that team. And you said, Jack. I mean, they could try to go back to the playoffs as well. They, I mean, Phillies beat them, but still, this is a team that I think could also make a run next year of I mean of course it's a long time away but this is a guy that just loves the game of baseball and I think that he deserves his own farewell tour in, in a sense as well he deserves to not be outshined by Pujols and Molina and what they were to do and you know as battery mates with Molina that was incredible to see as well but we'll see what happens for the Cardinals because they do have a lot to pick up now Molina who's going to step up and and Pujols where's the big back going to come and how are they going to click so I think there's a lot of question marks but you know Wainwright is a fantastic pitcher and he, he deserves to have his own farewell tour and have the success and I could really see him you know still in that Cardinals organization as a player development coach or something like that help out with the pitchers you know like we see with CC Sabathia I think he's going to be the guy that just lives and breathes baseball so I don't think when he retires you know whenever he does I think he's still going to be around for a long time to come but I would just want to add before that we'd wrap things up I wanted to add do we have any hot takes for this World Series I know it's just a th- something to throw out there but to kind of wrap things up on a bang and to end on a high note I mean what are your guys hot takes do you think that this is going to be somebody who's going to break out as a star are we going to see somebody falter really and crash and burn or are the Phillies just going to surprise everybody and take it home what are you guys just the hot takes to end this out on an exciting note? What are your thoughts? I mean, Jack, what do you think? Well, for last year for the World Series, we all didn't. I don't think we all expected that Solaire was going to pop off as he did with the Braves. Um, I do think that there's going to be someone that pops off. I'm not sure quite yet who is um, for both teams. I want to. I, I have a feeling that Kyle Tucker might step up um, just because he's been this like underrated guy for the Padres since they got Altuve and Jordan. Um, just kind of standing in the spotlight right now. For the Phillies, I kind of think uh, Schwarber's going to continue to be hot just because that he got really hot in the NLCS and he feels better. 
um, as a and he's more comfortable at the plate. Um, my hot take would probably be that the Phillies take game one. I think Verlander's not going to win uh, again because he just hasn't been able to produce as well as he usually does um, in the in the World Series. So that's my hot take. I think that they steal game one, they'll lose game two, and then they'll send it back to Philly. But uh, Danny, Aaron, uh, what, do you, what are your guys' hot take? Oh, man. There, there's so many things you could go with. Because, <laughs> right. Honestly, yeah. just because of the storyline of this series, the storyline of the Phillies, and you know the opposite storyline for the Astros about how they've just had smooth sailing and they've been a juggernaut to this position. But if I had to go with a hot take, I'm going to go with one just for the series in general and then a uh, second one just for a player I think that hasn't been producing that will start to. But uh, for the series, I think, and not, I don't know if this is a hot take because some people tend to agree, I see the Phillies taking this series in six games. I, I think that it's one of those destiny runs that the Nationals had, that the Braves had, um, even the Royals back all the way in, was that 2015, throwing yeah. it back a little bit. Yep. That was one of those destiny runs where, yeah, they weren't the most talented team you know, of the bunch in the postseason. You saw the 110-plus win Dodgers eliminated already, but they're going to find a way to get the job done. So that's my hot take for the postseason. I think that... Some of the other Philly starters and bullpen pieces are going to do better than people would imagine on a national stage, such as Syndergaard, um, Eflin as well. I mean, if you throw them in the right positions, I don't want any Eflin in the ninth inning in this series, but if you throw them in the right positions, it could really thrive. And that leads me to my next point. I think that the bullpen's going to be a huge thing. I think they're going to have to step up and overall just produce or at least limit as much as you can for this dangerous offense and just try and keep them quiet as they have been for some of the key guys. But as far as a hitter in this lineup goes, I'm looking for one of Bryson Stott or Gene Segura to get going and just stay consistent. Bryson Stott would be awesome, but to ask that of a young man on this big, you know, this big of a stage, it's quite a lot, but he's one of the lefty bats in our lineup where, you know, Marsh bats nine. We know what you can get from him at his peak, but if you can get Stott just having a great two strike approach and just battling with his at-bats up there, I think it could lead to some pretty good contact. And I think, it, you know, if you get the production, like Kara mentioned earlier on, in that bottom part of your lineup, that's a complete game-changer for this Phillies lineup. So I'm looking to see some of that in this series. Yeah, and Segura, I mean, he he had two big hits, one in uh, Game 1 against the Cardinals and then Game 3 in the NLCS. So Such he, he's lived one. up for these big moments. Such so, an emotional roller coaster, dude. Yeah, Such I mean, it's his first playoff game. run, too. So um, I, I think I kind of agree with you that Segura might is probably going to step up. Um, in the clutch moments, I feel like as he has in the past in the in the playoffs for the Phillies. Um, but going back to what the what you said with the Royals, um, um, I, uh, Escobar he got that first pitch inside the park yeah. home run and I remember that, and yeah. rode that momentum, rode the entire momentum uh, with the Royals for them to win. Uh, their uh, their World Series title in 2015. So you're saying first pitch Kyle Schwarber inside the park? <laughs> uh, no, no, no. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that. Mark but it down right I'm now. Just say, uh, what I'm saying is is whoever gets the first big hit yeah. is probably going to ride with that momentum and probably pull it out in the series. I don't know who though, but um, we'll see uh, what happens in Game One and Game Two. But Aaron, before we uh, before we end things, uh, who do you what are, what are your hot takes in this World Series? Yeah, I think it. I think it goes the distance. I think it goes seven. I'm not going to say who wins. It's like really a toss-up for me, honestly. I could see it going either way. I think this is going to be a really good series. Um, if I had to pick a guy on either side, I think to have a big series, I think for the Astros, man, I so don't know. Many. Right. I, I, so that's many. The, that's yeah, I know. That's what I was thinking. I don't even Tucker, know if this but. is really a hot take, but he has been cold. I I just think Altuve is going to be a nightmare for you guys, unfortunately. You have to keep him quiet. No, yeah. I don't think you will. I don't know. He just always, the stage gets bigger, gets more and more pesty at the plate. So even if he's not hitting bombs, it's like he's going to he's gonna be four for five in a game, and he'll be stealing bads and playing defense at second base. So it's like. My only thing to rebuttal that is. He's yeah. only faced a Mariners rotation and a Mariners bullpen and a Yankees rotation and a Yankees bullpen. They're really nothing to write home about. Well, so you can you can definitely admit there were a lot yeah. of flaws in both of those pitching uh, staffs. So that's fair. If anyone can kind of try and limit him a little bit, I think mm -hmm. the Phillies are right up there. But at the same time, right. you're right. It is yeah, Altuve. Think, he's a ticking time. I think he's just gonna pop off the series. And then I just for the Phillies, man, that's tough. I think I'm with you, Jack. I think Schwarber. Has a bid series. I think he'll set the tone at the top of the order. Would like to see a couple homers for him, even if it's not like the first step out of the day, which would be sick, by that the way. That would be sick. Right. Imagine yeah. like NLCS just off Verlander, he just hits like a 450-foot bomb. <laughs> That'd be yeah. sick. But um, honestly, I'm going with Alec Bohm. 
Going with Alec Baum yeah. having a big series. I think offensively and defensively. Um, I don't know why. I really don't. But I think someone, some of the younger guys have got to step up for Philly. Talked about Stott. Um, I think, you know, it's got to be him or, or, or Boehm that, you know, kind of in that five through seven range in the order has a bid series to kind of, you know, help the top of the order out, the, the bid duds, obviously. So I'll go with uh, my guy, Alec Boehm, as, as <laughs> Danny Lowe, I like to say. Um, and so, yeah, I think Alec Boehm has, has a bid series. But again, I don't, I don't want to pick a winner. Yeah, but I think it does go seven in Houston. That's where it ends. So, and to wrap things up, I think pivotal makers besides the big bats, Castellanos. That's going to be key. I think if he pops off, the Phillies are set. And I think Yuri Gurriel, another tough out. That's just the two that I think are going to be pinpoint, especially middle later half of the lineup. Those are key factors that can really. He's so annoying. Literally, they're all pesky. The the whole Astros lineup is just so pesky. But I would say that you know we're all rooting for the Phillies. It's been it's going to be a a very exciting series. And the next time we regroup, it's going to be in the middle after Game Five because we always have our podcast on Thursday. So we would love for everybody to come back. And I'm sure we'll have even more to talk about. We broke down pretty much every aspect of this World Series. We've got a ton still to talk about, so the next time we're going to rekindle things, it's going to be... have a winner. Right, I mean, so. you never know what could happen. You know, crazy things have always happened, but it's been a pleasure. Thank you guys so much for joining us, Aaron Hook and Danny Ryan and Karagun alongside Jack Miller. This has been another episode of the 10th Inning Podcast here on Royal Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. You've been listening to the 10th Inning Podcast with your hosts, Jack Miller and Karaguno. Make sure to tune in weekly for new episodes. You can find 10th Inning and every Rowan Radio sports podcast by searching for Rowan Radio On Demand Sports wherever you find your podcasts.